Back to the Off the Tips podcast. It's been a fairly quiet week in the week of golf, and so AC's just he's having a breather this week. You know, I didn't make him get up early, and to get in to make things a bit interesting, we we've already teased that he's got some stories to tell. But Monty, thanks for joining me at short notice once again. It's good to see you. Hey mate, good to see you too. Um, hopefully, I can provide some value at the back end. <laughs> yeah, mate. I. Have you been have you been getting out onto the golf course? I, I saw you send a score through to the boys on the weekend. You had a bit of a tough finish at Titarangi. You want to you know, talk the listeners through what's been happening with your golf game? I'm sure they'll be keen to know. Yeah, it's been rocks and diamonds recently. Uh, 75 on Saturday with a couple of doubles. So, you know, you can interpret that in a couple of ways. 14 pars, which I was reasonably happy with. Um, before then, I was sort of, been middling a pretty standard probably late late seventies type areas. I had a bit of a blowout at Club Champs a few weeks back. A shot ninety six ninety two on a thirty six hole day. In aggregate, <laughs> it was thirty six over my handicap over two rounds. So a hollow, I shot a hole over my handicap, which <laughs> did that was tough to swallow. Was it tough conditions, at, or did they at, did they turn the greens up or something? Yeah, they did turn it up, and we were playing the the longest that they could have the course, and it was fucking windy. But I've probably got, you know, seven espresso marts and fourteen beers to blame the night prior to. So yeah, know, that makes sense. I can, I can, you know, I can't look at myself in the mirror and be proud of that performance, but I've only got myself to blame. Yeah, for sure. But that, at least you've made a bit of a turnaround the, the last couple of weeks, you know. Just man, man at night, man in the morning, though. You're fronted for club champs, you know, which is great. Yeah, I'm back on the horse. I'm sort of a one-off. Might actually, um, yeah, try putting a bit of work over the next little while because we got – I found out the other day Titterandy's hosting NZM next year. So oh, um, I might put a bit of time into the golf game from here. Yeah. Probably, probably wouldn't want to open with a ninety six at the NZM. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll ensure I only have five espresso marks next year. <laughs> oh, well, mate. I, have you been heading in, mate? Have you been getting out? Yeah, yeah. I, I've, I've just been playing the par three course round that I talk about around mine, and then I finally got out to a proper big boy golf course on Sunday. Uh, Concord, which is, you know, it's a championship course, dope design. Uh, it was really good, really good fun, great course. Uh, I didn't exactly play well. I just, I think I, I had an 86, which is, you know, it's pretty dusty. And then, and I just felt, I just, I felt like I probably hit the ball a bit better than that. I putted horrifically. Like, just felt, felt like I, I think I hold maybe one putt outside of eight feet all day. And then, yeah, I just I just consistently was getting my numbers wrong, which which tends to happen when you know you haven't been playing proper golf for a while. So I felt like I was fine in the middle of the club face, but I was just coming up short of pretty much every green and just leaving myself kind of ten foot for par on most holes. And then I just made a couple of costly du- doubles, had a shank, which was 
which was pretty funny. Any any yonder left balls? Uh, not not really. Just kind of a couple of pulls with the irons, but I actually drove the ball really well. Um, when I sent the message to the to the group chat about I have the lefts, that was probably an early crow. I I hit I hit one drive left on the same that's the same <laughs> hole that I um I hit the shank on, which was my next shot, and then. Yeah, I, I, I hit most fairways and to, um, Concord's a good course because you, you can't you don't really hit driver on the opening holes, which so and I found fairway with three iron every time I pulled it off the tee. So, you know, there were there was some signs of life in my golf game. It was just the, the short game and the and getting the numbers right. But you know, that'll that'll come once you start playing a bit better and we can start lowering those the, figures. The blue team will be happy to hear their skipper's buoyed about his golf game and getting out there. Yeah, yeah, I might, I Lead might off in the front, if you will. I might opt for a different putter next time. I just didn't feel confident at all over it. You know, I just any I pogs? Just wanted some chances. No pogs, but a lot of quite a few three parts. I couldn't tell you off the top of the head how many I had. I did. I played this par five beautifully, like pretty smart golf. Like, like laid up, had just a little wedge, <laughs> like had a little wedge in and. Hit it to like I don't know nine feet, and I was like, "Oh fuck!" Like, yeah, like smart golf, you know. And another day, I would have tried to play a pretty hero three wood from the right hand side of the fairway and like put myself in more trouble and just proceeded to three yak from nine feet, which is just happens pretty pretty concerning. Just I've seen a guy on your side three putt from shorter than that. Yeah, you're you're right, and it does happen. But look. We're going to make the podcast about mostly about the NZM today. Uh, obviously, played one of Monty and I's home course courses at St Andrews and Hamilton. So hopefully, we can offer a bit of insight into the course. But before we do, we we'll just give a shout out to Eric Van Royen, who won in Mexico the Worldwide Technologies Championship. Got the job done. Pretty. It was a pretty big day for for them. Matt Kutcher gave up a six shot lead and. Van Royen eagled the last. So, as much of as I would have loved to watch that that event in Mexico, I didn't didn't catch much of it. And over on the LPGA tour, a, a local got the job done in the Toto Japan Classic. Moni Inami got her maiden LPGA tour win. Doesn't even play on the LPGA tour. Plays on the JLPGA tour. So she now has status on the premier circuit in the world. So congratulations to her. But Monty, any takes on the professional golf or can we can get can we get into the purest form of golf? Let's, let's get into the purest, mate. So Seb May of Christchurch wins the New Zealand amateur in Hamilton. Monty, what did what did you see on the New Zealand and front? I um I must admit I wasn't following that closely, but I did catch up with a couple of guys at the club on Saturday in the clubhouse who played, who didn't make it through into the match play stage. Um, a couple of just pretty bog standard golfers, like three, four handicappers have just made the trick down. Um, I think by all accounts, it was the Greens were running at like 13s on the first couple of days. and So potentially they even got even quicker through the course of the week. Um, and in typical St Andrews fashion, I think you know even hitting high cuts into greens, um, 
the balls weren't even leaving a pitch mark on the greens. So Classic. fast, firm, bouncy St. Andrews golf club, which is sort of the way it is these days. Particularly, And, you know, we've played there when they turn the greens up massively. It uh, can get pretty tough. Yeah, it's pretty much the defence of the golf course when these proper players come into town, isn't it? Like, it's not ever going to destroy them for length. Yeah, it's quite tight, but, yeah, it's when they turn those greens up and get them firm and, oh, geez, it's... I've seen many a good golfers come undone on those greens, especially oh, we headed out and played after the New Zealand 19s, played there one day, and I saw Bill, who's a... You know, he's better than scratch golfer who's been on the podcast before and saw him pog the first and, it's, you know, it's it's great to see. But, yeah, so just a note on the winner, Seb May, who is the only player to hand David Zorab a defeat in Christchurch into club in the last 24 months. So there's a little niche stat for you. Did Dave play? No, no, he didn't. He, he probably should have played. He should try play the NZM. I think Hamilton probably bit out the way for the big fella during it during exam time at yeah. uni. So, so we've already established the 17-year-old Sep May from Christchurch gets the job done. Monty, do you want to just provide the listeners with a little bit more context on how he went about getting that victory? We'll just go from the match play. Yeah, he had a uh, you know, pretty seamless initial run into the um, into the in the match play stages. Four and three, his first match. Three and two, and then a couple of tight tussles that he'd expect into the quarters and semi. So, you know, two and one win in this quarter and one up over fellow Kiwi Tom Lee in the semi. So no doubt a couple of good tussles there, and then he prevailed rather comprehensively against. Uh, in Auckland, they're six and five in the final. I think he was Dormy six up. Uh, he was just, well, I think he was just dominant the whole way around and, and got the job done. 17, pretty young to to get it done. Like, I know it's, it's amateur and lots of these guys are turning pro early these days, but um, still numerous good amateurs floating around the circuit in New Zealand who are north of 20 for sure. Who, you know, have been trying to do it for years. So, so you obviously got something about him. Yeah, and he, and he legally wouldn't have been able to go out and experience House on Hood after after his win, which is, you know, devastating for anyone in Hamilton. He couldn't couldn't have gone and distributed some shakes in the up shapes of the outback in. Just yeah, it's an absolute it's, crime. It's a tragedy. It's a tragedy. Yeah. So I hope he found a way. Yeah, I, I do too. There's those just hedges made, which could have been right for the picking out the front. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, he could have just he could have just scaled the picket outside house and just <laughs> just scurried in the back, and he might he might have been away and laughing. But and to the listeners, there'll be there'll be some more comms on house on hood later on in this podcast. So, um, but before we before we move in into talking a bit more dribble, like we already have, uh, we'll just talk about the course a little bit more. Obviously. We, as we said, we were members there for a long time, Monty. What what holes do you think caused the most havoc this week without having the stats in front of you, just off the top yeah. of your head? I mean, for me, uh, the holes I've always struggled with are number two, longest par five, particularly off the tip. So we'll have the tees 
stiff back and you've it's a very narrow um landing area off the tee and it's a good risk reward tee shot actually because the fairway sort of narrows up and dog legs to the right the more you go up so you know i'm assuming most of those guys would have taken driver off that tee but the longer guys or you know if you wanted to hit the widest part of the fairway you can lay it back a bit further but then you've still got a relatively long iron i'd say into that green and um yeah, it's very firm around that green, particularly left, so you can get some in some gnarly spots. Um, number 13 and 14 are holes. Oh, sort of gave me a little bit of havoc. 13, not so much, but that fairway plays quite narrow if the course is firm. Um, if you, you sort of veer on the right side of that fairway, you, you're down to long rough or even the mighty Waikato River. And then, and then 14, I think, is probably the standout hole across them all. Um, the par three, long par three, yeah. guarded by bunkers. Um, you know, sort of got a tear in the middle and they would have, you know, presumably deep in the tournament, put put the put the pins back left, back right, mm-hmm. which means getting close to those are nine impossible. Um, so probably those three holes for me stand out. What do you reckon? Yeah, uh, two two for me is a struggle. Like you said, long par four. That's just if you've if you've got some issues off the tee and you're not a really long hitter like like I am. Like it's you almost if you're playing off the tips, you kind of have no option but to to hit driver unless you want to leave yourself a really really long long iron in mm. and and that um <laughs> those trees that guard the left have caused me some as as the boys joke about it, well, it's not really a joke about it on the pod. I obviously have some trouble with the left miss at the best of times, and geez, I've, you just get yourself into some sticky situations. And geez, I've I've ruined many a many around early doors um, at number two, but number two, yeah. So number two for me, eleven is a stroke one hole, but I've never like it's never been. I've never thought of it as the hardest hole in the golf course, if you know what I mean. It's another long par four that kind of sweeps right, guarded by a few bunkers, big, big green, and, you know, you can get yourself in trouble if you leave yourself in the wrong spot on the green, especially when they have been running as quick as they would have today or over the weekend. Yeah. I mean, I did think of 11, but, yeah, particularly for a fader of the ball, because, I mean, it's quite a long hole. You can just sort of – you got a license just to whack driver and hit a maybe fade off the left if you can trust yeah. that and then you're still not left with uh, you know there's minimal trouble actually around the green you know it would have it would have played hard undoubtedly but i i tend to think two might have been the harder of the par fours this week yeah for, for sure i i agree and just on 11 it's like it's it's not a super intimidating tee shot in the terms of like you still be able to just make a five if even if you hit one left or right, if you know what I mean, you yeah, yeah. you can get one back into play fairly easily. Uh, and then thirteen obviously has caused many a man some issue over over the, the time. You know, like as you said, the Waikato River on the right, just you don't want to hit it left either. And you know, you can get uneven lies up on that fairway, but the green up there is fairly straightforward. And then yeah, fourteen, that big boy par three. Just, yeah, that that have been scary on a firm and hard, you know, green surface that you can't kind of 
you kind of would have had to play to the front every single time and Derek, even and left yourself a big part if that pin was up the front. Do you reckon there would have been much squirminess on the final three holes? Like, they're not too hard, but there's, there's enough trouble there. I'm going to say 16, probably not. Uh, I'm going to say 17 and 18, probably definitely. Obviously, 17, you've got the driving range up the right. You don't want to hit it left there either. You, that's kind of a fairway you you need a hit, but it's a big enough landing area. But you know, yeah. if if you come into the crunch time of a of a tournament, it's a, it's a different story. I think it's only the tee shot that would probably scare scare you on seventeen. Whereas an eighteen, you know, finishing on a par three is probably something a lot of these guys wouldn't have been used to. So, you know, that's another element in itself. They've obviously got rid of that treacherous bunker on the right that we've talked about on this podcast before there used to be just this bunker of death on the right hand side of the um on the left on the left left hand side of the the bunker at at st andrews that if you got in there it was like like just getting out how would you explain that bunker monty it was like you were like you were in that in a canyon yeah it'd be like it would have been 20 30 meters long and, you know, incredibly steep. And you never get an uphill lie, which you often like on a steep face bunker. So you're at the bottom of this pit, just trying to make your way out, really. It's, uh, yeah, pretty challenging. Yeah, I reckon I would have been in that bunker north of 30 times. And yeah. and I, I reckon I got up and down once. But, yeah, it's in the... The sand could get firm down the bottom. Yeah, it was just fucking, yeah. it was a nightmare. Yeah, and then you've got those like potish kind of bunkers on, on the, the on the right, and like if it's running fast, you're like, oh no, like if I don't hit a good Chog. bunker shot here, I'm I'm in the I'm in the I'm in the big bunker at doom. But <laughs> yeah, so it's a see. I think it's a good place for for a tournament when they they get it properly turned up and. And the courses in, you know, tournament condition. But what do you think? Do you think it's a tournament venue? Uh, probably not. I mean, it's probably not even a, you know, it's our premier amateur tournament. It's probably not even our, in our top 30 golf courses. I know some rankings suggest it might be. But, yeah, I think it would be very much on the margin if you're drawing a top 30 line, in my view. Um it's a solid golf course. I suppose the attraction is that it's in a you know, reasonably large city, relatively central with a decent facility area. So it's good from a tournament point of view for that, um, logistically. But it's yeah, it's a steady golf course, um, and there's mixed views out there. But you know, since they've taken out a lot of the bunkering over the last five to ten years, and in my view, it's sort of lost its appeal, um, you know, probably not as difficult as it once was. You know, people might dispute that. Um, and, you know, I don't like playing – I don't think it's fair playing such firm, bouncy greens. Like, it's uh, nothing wrong with firm and fast, but these guys are just ex- – these are just extreme. Um, mm. yeah, it's it's okay, but it's sort of counterintuitive to our sort of premium event. Yeah, I I don't mind mind that. I I think it I think it would have been 
havoc. I, I genuinely think there would have been a lot of guys that really, really struggled. I think the guys from Melbourne would have probably come over and been pretty well equipped mm. to, to play it. I know Jasper Stubbs, who just won the Asia Pacific Am, was in contention for a long time and he won it last year. But yeah, I see I'm I kind of disagree on the the firm and bouncy greens. I think just you just gotta turn up and play them. Like you're yeah. gonna have ample practice rounds. For the members, I can see your point. Like there are a lot of like members and like pace of play can be an issue around there when it's getting hard. My my only pushback to that is like often when a course has got firm bumpy growth. No, I don't mind firm greens, but really bouncy greens that you can't even control the ball on. It's like you've often got these quite good run up areas into the holes. Yeah. Whereas yeah. whereas my issue at St Andrews is on some holes you do, but often you can't like play to that. Um, yeah. I don't necessarily disagree with you. Like I'm I'm bullish, firm, and fast, but I just yeah, the, the, the design probably d- doesn't quite fit the spec of the course. But I think that's what they've been trying to do over these last couple of years by taking those, you know, guarding bunkers at the front of greens out to kind of create yeah. areas where you can come in, you can come in low. But, yeah, you know, that's I also haven't been there for a, a couple of years now. Well, I've obviously been living away, but hopefully, you know, get, get there soon to have a, have a crack. I think you boys should try get out there next week. While, while the greens are still like this. Yeah, that's a good shout, actually. And I mean, the other thing is, it's not all courses can just, like, turn their greens up at will almost. Mm. And that's the benefit of St. Andrews. They've just got that ability within probably a few weeks of good management. They can just ramp, ramp them up pretty quickly, which which is nice for a course hosting a tournament to be able to do that. For sure. So and it probably eliminates quite a few decent golf courses like yeah. that can host. Yeah, no, I think that's a that's a good answer. Have you got any parting thoughts on the NZM or get into our playoff holes? Um, hey, would have been made four through ten. Uh, that would have been quite cool actually, following actually, the good guys yeah. around at Hamilton Golf yeah. Club. Like, uh, it's quite a fun stretch to play, particularly if you've started poor, because you can just. You know, you're all loose and then you get onto the fourth tee and you've got a stretch of seven holes where you can just, if you're playing well, you know, I'm assuming these good guys could have been five, six, five, six under through that stretch potentially if they were playing well or even more. Yeah, just for the listeners that haven't played there, four through ten is, so it goes par five, and then two pretty straight up and down par fours, and then two short drivable par fours, and then another another par five, another par five. So it's it's very scorable. And you'd say that that stretch, especially seven, eight, nine, ten, is extremely scorable, wouldn't you, Monty? Like especially for guys of this caliber. Yeah, no, it would have been it would have been quite good to see actually because yeah, you can get on a heater. Yeah. What's your? Do you want to tell the listeners a bit of a, a yarn about you having a crack for the green on eight one day? Yeah, eight's probably like a, I don't know, two ninety type hole, guarded by a decent bunker on the right, um, and I was just spraying it everywhere as I can tend to do. Some days, and um, you know, I was a group of four on the green. It was probably a slow day at St Andrews, and you got those quite regularly. And I was pretty fed up at this point. 
So I just proceeded to um, pull out my driver and uh, moose this one straight onto them, basically. And uh, I girl. just got, I got, uh, you know, you, you do the old hand wave. Sorry, mate, but uh, there's no excuses for that sort of carry on when I reflect on it. Like, it's just <laughs> such poor form. And I, I got up to the green and a couple of these old codgers just like, absolutely let loose like called me an arrogant and you, know, you knew what you were fucking doing like you knew what you were fucking doing like numerous times yeah. and i just wanted to go into a shell and cry because <laughs> <laughs> i just i just like risk risk someone's life yeah and i don't you even make... think i made the putt for eagle yeah <laughs> i probably three putted <laughs> yeah oh well hey you learn from your your mistakes and you're a young you're a young man i i think I think you've I'll moved. Blame the I'll blame the hormones. I'll blame the hormones. Yeah, do it, mate. Uh, right, we'll rip into our playoff holes. They're going to be look a little bit different today, and it's the playoff hole theme today is just story time with Matthew. So Monty's going to just tell us a couple of yarns from his last couple of weeks, and we're going to kick off with a story we teased the other week about Monty reporting his car missing and and a missing person and his girlfriend at the same time. Monty, can you just fill the listeners in from start to finish on, on what unha- what happened on this night? Yeah, yeah, sure, Cal. I think just a disclaimer before I begin, I won't be able to fill start to finish. There was a period of a couple of hours in the midst of it that I that I can't that I can't find the details for. But <laughs> so essentially Labor Day Sunday uh, in in the cat I hadn't been out in Hamilton for a Sometimes so there was a bit of pent up energy, if if you will. Um, uh, my girlfriend drove myself and a mate into Hamilton Town, parked on the main street in my car, um, with with the thought to you know she would only have one or two drinks and then I would you know maybe have a, a few more then would then would call it at a sensible hour. Um, one thing led to a love, another. She was you know, very disciplined. I, mean, I think she only had one drink. And then it got to about 11.30 and um, they, they were ready to head off by all accounts. And I, me and Will, proceeded to firstly run away from my girlfriend and, and Bill Burnett and his, his missus to, to sprint to house to go to a gig. So I didn't say goodbye. So I firstly wasn't aware that they were leaving really, and then you know went to house for two or three hours. And I think it got to about two thirty a.m. and you know we're ready to call it and head home. So we we left house and you know started walking the street of Hamilton to find my car because I thought for some reason that Sophie would be sitting in the car waiting for us or fuck knows what I was thinking. <laughs> so I would have probably walked around Hamilton, ran around Hamilton, went down to the river went to the David's Emporium parking, went to every every good parking spot where I think she could be all through Hamilton, all around the CBD. I was running around, couldn't find the car, couldn't find it. I ran back into the house to try find her. She wasn't there and she hadn't been there for three hours. She didn't actually step foot into the venue, but for some reason I thought she was there, there with us. Um, and I wasn't getting any response on my phone or Facebook Messenger. So then I was like, fuck, she must be missing and the car must be missing. So I 
I proceeded to call the cops and report, report a stolen uh, a stolen vehicle and a uh, I think a missing person while I was out to. <laughs> And and then uh, I was evidently distressed because, you know, you you can imagine when you think you've lost someone and a valuable. um, (laughs) And then it was like, fuck it, just going to have to Uber home. Like, there's nothing we can do now. We've ran all around Hamilton for probably at least an hour trying to find this car. And, yeah, Ubered home, and thankfully the person who stole it kindly returned it back to to our place and she was all tucked up in bed and <laughs> all, all was well with the world but yeah it was, it was a whirlwind so what 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 unfolded the morning after that was it like a a phone call back to oh, yeah. the police i think probably an important detail is she texts me at eleven thirty, saying i've taken the car home yeah so i i didn't i didn't see those texts for the following morning which was quite an important detail and <laughs> Yeah, so I called the cops and politely informed them that my car uh, wasn't wasn't indeed stolen; it had been at least returned home. <laughs> and, wow, that's yeah. I think that they they got the memo that maybe there was some alcohol involved, so they did say to me that it's in their system, but they weren't officially looking for it or something to that extent. Okay, well that. It's good to hear. At least so I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't. I didn't deprive the justice system of valuable resource on on a Monday morning. <laughs> oh, public holiday too. Yeah, oh. mate. That is. That's a proper blowout, isn't it? Yeah, it was. It was. Um, no better way to describe it. Really, it was just. As I said, pent up energy. Uh, yeah, just cut loose. <laughs> Speaking of pent up energy, and you know maybe energy from beyond the grave, will will lead to our uh, our, our next uh, story. I hear you've been when you've been staying at said girlfriend's house that's been getting a getting a run in playoff holes today. Uh, there, you haven't been the only only people staying in the house, and maybe someone had to come in and and change that. Do you want to talk the listeners through? You know, your supernatural <laughs> last couple of months. Yeah. Um, yeah, so another another interesting story. Probably not as funny, but more interesting. So, uh, you know, a flat in, in Auckland has been experiencing some, some uh, paranormal activity, if you will. Uh, so I, what happened 12 months ago, they moved into this flat and all of a sudden one, one of the girls' doors would open every night so this she would shut her door to go to sleep go to sleep and then when the girls would wake up to go to work in the morning the door would be open every morning and they'd say to her you know like have you been opening your door every morning and she'd be like no no and then so uh, I think a few other small things happened and they basically were under the impression there was some some ghost-like spirits uh, in in the in the household and so they called in these cleansers um Three hundred dollars cash, mind you, for for, cash, for an hour's like... work. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and these cleansers <laughs> turn up, turn up to the house, and they start instantly start dry reaching, <laughs> like like there's some sort of spirit in the 
I can sense some sort of spirit in the in the building, and whatever they like, I can sprinkle some dust around all the bedrooms of whatever happens, and and they sit the girls down and like explain what they saw. And I think at that time there was five individual spirits in the household. They had names, and they were living in these rooms and doing these things. And then, so they cleansed the place, and there were no no sightings or or visuals or occurrences of, of such creatures. But this individual's door wouldn't shut. So now that the that now that the spirit had been cleansed, the frame and the door wouldn't fit, wouldn't fit the door. So. And this is after the cleansing, remember? So they, the door literally wouldn't shut. So the door used to be able to shut. So presumably this this paranormal thing would be able to turn the door knob. I don't know how it works. And then open the door every night. And then they vanished these creatures from the household and the door wouldn't shut. So they had to get uh, a family member in who was a builder, I think, to cut the door frame to let the door shut into the into its place. So I was a, I'm still skeptical, um, but uh, that last detail is quite curious, I think, because how, how the fuck that works is beyond me. And then, so that, so yeah, and then they had, they, they, the spirits came back, I think a few weeks ago, and they've, they've had another cleansing in the last week or two with more dry reaching involved. And, and 300 more slides. 300 more slides, so 600 slides for a good sleep. I don't know. I feel like, worth it. I, I don't know. I feel like I, I feel like they've been taken on a bit of a ride here. Eh? Like, did these Ghostbusters? Did the you're literally at a you're at a plot of Ghostbusters? Is, have they walked in with the cross or like? Oh, I, I don't know the details, but um, I'm sure they were they were interesting looking humans um, to say the least, and. Oh, There's every chance they're acting. They're, they're good at acting on the dry reaching, but I'm I'm probably more of a believer in ghosts than I am aliens. But I probably think it's probably a topic for another pod: ghosts and aliens. But yeah, um, maybe. I'd say after um, yeah, it's pretty compelling. I reckon the, the door frame. Yeah, the door but frame. You know, it's apparently, blinding, yeah, apparently the whole street. Um, apparently on the whole street these people could like feel spirits around them so there's money to be made yeah if you're ever looking for a side hustle yeah maybe take an acting class for an hour or two and then and then you can just you can just go out and con people essentially yeah (laughs) yeah Yeah. (laughs) um well mate i i don't really have much to, to follow up there that's just Couple of pretty wild yarns, and hopefully your listeners have got something out of that. Um, Monty, before we go, do you have any parting words for the listeners? Oh, I don't. Apart from uh, there'll be there's key details missing in both of those stories, but I hope I hope that's some entertainment and yeah. <laughs> well, cheers, guys, for tuning in. Cheers, Monty, for fulfilling the void. And, you know, we'll catch you next week. Hopefully AC's back. But if not, you know, Monty might be able to ask some, answer some listener questions if you've got some, you know, <laughs> if you want to you wanna learn more. And maybe we can get his girlfriend on the pod to, you know, really break down the spirits. But I understand you're not allowed to talk about the spirits 
in the house. In the so house, I think. I'm under, I'm under strict instruction. Because they come back, don't they? They come back. They come, come back. back. They'll be they, back. You, yeah, especially, yeah. So if you speak about them, they come back. That's that's pretty wild. My, my, my parting words will be, yeah, happy sleeping all. Yeah, have a good night's sleep and we'll catch you next week. Cheers, guys. Just go home. That's your home. Are you too-